We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Fay hitting with a solo recap of the Nets loss to the Timberwolves 107-102. A frustrating loss for numerous reasons. You know, late game officiating, coaching, and execution down the stretch wasn't where it needed to be. But we're going to jump to that and plenty more. Make sure you check the buzz on all streaming platforms. Also, give us a follow on Instagram at Brooklyn Buzz Pod. But this was a game that was extremely close. It was back and forth in that fourth quarter. And the Timberwolves just ended up making more plays. And, you know... Some of the key plays down this in the final minutes of this game or the final minute of this game was Anthony Edwards getting two free throws, giving the Timberwolves that 104-100 lead. The Nets then going down the floor, Dinwiddie getting the easy layup and having the foul, Conley missing a free throw. And then the next possession with the Nets, an opportunity to tie the score 105-102. Dinwiddie gets the ball, an opportunity to shoot a three, hits a pump fake. Looks like he's clearly fouled by Anthony Edwards, is not given the call. It's knocked out of the bounds. Nets get another shot. Dinwiddie can't knock down that tough three from the corner. And from that point on was the foul game and the Nets end up losing this one. Again, you know, you can't necessarily depend on the refs, but Anthony Edwards in this one did get two free throws that were huge for the Timberwolves. Dinwiddie clearly contacted on his elbow and arm as he's raising up for a three-point attempt, not given the same whistle. Very frustrating, and obviously this is something Nets fans have dealt with all season long. We've seen the two-minute reports, especially when it's connected to Spencer Dinwiddie, who we've mentioned seems like he's blacklisted by the NBA. And even throughout the game, it felt like the Nets weren't necessarily getting a ton of calls. 22 free-throw attempts for the Timberwolves, 14 for the Nets. But beside the point, the Nets still had opportunities to win in this game. I think looking in that final stretch, you know, around the 3.33 minute mark, Nick Claxton's taken out of the game. And from that point on, Carl Anthony Towns is able to generate six more points for the Timberwolves in this one because he had a one-on-one matchup with Royce O'Neal. And Royce, who has been an excellent post defender, but still going against one of the best centers in the league, who was able to establish really good position and have a lot of space to operate from that elbow spot and work to the center of the paint, really had no issue scoring on Royce. And it, it makes you question, you know, why is Nicholas Claxton, one of the defensive player of the year candidates, not on the floor? And not even not on the floor just for those possessions, but on your final defensive possession where Anthony Edwards is fouled, 
you wonder why are you not using Claxton? And I get it. You know, there's some fear of, you know, the free throw game and, you know, he doesn't provide spacing offensively, but he does give you a lob threat. He does give you some rim pressure. He can roll to the rim. He can set screen. So I thought that was a very questionable decision from Jacques Vaughn in this one. And then also on the possession prior to Dinwiddie missing or having being fouled by Anthony Edwards, Vaughn called the timeout and he did not really generate a great ATO. You know, the play did not lead to a wide open three point shooter or even an idea of what to do in the situation because it felt like Dinwiddie probably could have drove to the rim and got two points fairly quickly with maybe even 10 seconds still on the clock. Maybe the Timberwolves miss, you know, another free throw or there potentially is a fumble on, you know, the pass into the game. And that, that obviously hurt. I think this isn't the first time we've had questions about the coaching decisions late in a game. You know, we look back to that Cavs loss. There were some really bad decisions there and just not having your players informed on what to do. I think at time Vaughn is empowering the players a little bit too much. And this is a team that does not have Kevin Durant, does not have Kyrie Irving. And those guys are different and they've been in the situation a million times. And, you know, they can really run it themselves. You know, not to say Spencer can't run it himself, but the other guys probably can use that next level of coaching. And it feels like sometimes late in games, they're not getting that. And that's been a real issue for this team. And, you know, even looking back to that Utah game, Jack did a great job on that recap, but the final couple minutes of that game were horrendous, you know, and a lot of that is offensive execution and just not able to have a counter or able to generate a shot that feels really good at that point in time. So, you know, the Nets obviously entering the playoffs, it feels like the entire fourth quarter or even stretches throughout a playoff game are like the final two minutes of a regular season game. And, it's worrisome, you know, for this team and what they're going to do and how they're going to handle those situations. And, you know, some of that, again, is coaching. Some of that is roster. Some of that's experience. But again, this this was a frustrating loss for that reason because it felt like the Nets were going back and forth. And yes, you know, Anthony Edwards hit some really tough shots. And Carl Anthony Towns, again, one of the best centers in the league, was able to go to work. But you made his life really easy going against a 6'5 Royce O'Neal at the elbow and not really sending doubles. And it's kind of like, what did you expect to happen in that situation? You know, it worked last time in Minnesota against Rudy Gobert, but Carl Anthony Towns is as good offensively as Gobert is defensively. So uh, just really weird decision-making down the stretch, just not my cup of tea, and obviously hindsight is twenty twenty. But the offensive stagnation is something that hurt this team, especially in that third quarter. There was an 11-point lead in this one for the Nets, and it felt like, you know, maybe they can run away with it or at least give themselves a cushion going into the fourth, but that lead evaporated quickly. And again, it's just these stretches and it just feels like, an, you know, a team that hasn't quite gelled yet. You know, you see these flashes of really good basketball offensively and defensively, and then you see these flashes that looks like, you know, this team hasn't really played together for a whole season. And that's the truth. They were, you know, put together at the trade deadline, a a lot of new faces, a lot of different skill sets, some missing skill sets with this roster. But, you know, these, these are games you want to win. Obviously the magic number for the Nets is two. Tonight, they would have been able to shave one off of that and put it down to winning tomorrow in Detroit and clinching that sixth spot. Miami able to win against Detroit tonight. Um, one game lead on them, but the Nets do have the tiebreaker. The Nets still in a really good position to, you know, lock up that six seed as long as they take care of business against Detroit tomorrow, Orlando on Friday, and then as we've talked about before, Philadelphia on Sunday, likely resting starters because their position is probably going to be locked up themselves. But 
a, a tough one to swallow and gives you a little bit of worry, you know, probably a little bit of worry, a lot of worry, depending on what your expectations are going to the playoffs, you know, with the most likely matchup being Philadelphia, who has Joel Embiid, has a lot of veterans, has some guys that can really go to work and, you know, exploit the net struggles, especially if they do get stagnant going to the playoffs. But Getting back to this game and kind of looking how things kind of broke down, you know, that first quarter was rough for this team. You know, they just didn't seem fully locked in. Uh, That bench unit coming in with Seth Curry and Joe Harris playing at the same time was very detrimental. You know, just Seth not giving you enough offensively to counter how bad he is defensively. You know, he played three minutes and 30 seconds in this game with minus eight. You know, Joe Harris played 15 minutes and 26 seconds and was minus 11. You know, Joe was able to hit a three and a layup in that fourth quarter, but there were some times where he was getting exploited defensively and also just causing guys to overhelp, leading to open possessions for the Timberwolf team. So right now it feels like the Nets have six guys they truly can count on. The five starters and Nick Claxton, Dinwiddie, Cam Johnson, Mikel Bridges, and Dorian Finney-Smith, and then Royce O'Neal off the bench. After that, it's a wild card. You know, all the guys who really played off the bench tonight didn't contribute to contribute in a positive way. You know, Joe did the most with five points. You know, you saw Dayron Sharp in this game early, wasn't able to hang defensively, benched very quickly. You know, Seth Curry, like I said, defensively bad, offensively not enough. Cam Thomas got a little run in this one as well. Also really struggled to find his rhythm in this game. So it's tough. Uh, also, the rotation's consistently changing. You know, Utah Watanabe did not receive any minutes. No Edmund Sumner again in this one. And then, obviously, Moses Brown, David Duke Jr., Patty Mills did not play DNPs as they've kind of gotten over the course of the last month. But, you know, Sumner, Watanabe, you're kind of wondering where they sit, especially Utah, who's been in and out of the rotation. You know, it feels like maybe he could have had an opportunity to play against this Timberwolves team that has a lot of length, a lot of, you know, guys that can attack on the offensive boards, in which the Nets did a Solid job, lost the rebounding battle 54 to 49, seven offensive boards for the Timberwolves and also seven for the Nets. So that wasn't the end all be all, but it feels like this would have game would have been a game that Utah could have potentially had a positive influence. But we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. 
Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Getting to the players in this one, Spencer Dinwiddie dropped 30 points, 13 of 24 from the field, 3 of 9 from 3, 1 of 2 from the free throw line, 3 rebounds, 6 assists, 1 block, did have 0 turnovers, which is really impressive given his usage in this game. Um, Obviously, Spencer was able to get to the rim, had a lot of different opportunities to cook. Carl Anthony Towns, Kyle Anderson, really whoever they put in front of him, he did a nice job finding those switches. I think the issue with Spencer is sometimes generating those switches takes too long, and now it's 8 to 10 seconds off the shot clock. He drives in the paint, gets double team, has to kick it out, and that player now has to shoot a three. And it could be a contested three. It could be a guy you don't want to finish that position possession. Like we talked about, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith and his late-game turnover, that's a spot you don't really want to put him in. You know, he's either taking that three or he's passing the ball. And given the the shot clock at that point in time, there wasn't really a true opportunity for him to do that. So I, I think Spencer, you saw, you know, more good than bad in this one, but you can see how running a little ISO heavy and a lot of switch heavy stuff can lead to some stagnant offensive possessions and putting guys in a bad spot. But given Mikel Bridges didn't have his best game, you know, it was a lot on Spencer. And he was able to get a ton of huge buckets in this one. You know, it felt like he hit all of his threes on Carl Anthony Towns in those ISO situations. So he did his job in the scoring department. Maybe trying to generate looks for a couple different guys would have been beneficial late in this game. But overall, you know, I think he did what the Nets needed him to do. And he gave them a real opportunity to win in this one. But moving over to Mikel, I finished with 24 points, 9 of 24 from the field, 1 of 5 from 3, 5 of 6 from the free throw line, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, two steals, one block, three turnovers. And this felt like a game where Mikel was actually impacted by defensive players a little bit more than normal. You know, Rudy Gobert was able to get a piece of his shot a couple times. I thought McDaniels did a really nice job of defending him and moving his feet and utilizing his length to prevent Mikel from getting comfortable and getting to his spots. I'm also the way just the Timberwolves play defense. I thought they had some really nice rotations in this game. And Mikel just missing some shots he typically takes. And I think he was Missing early in that kind of press him, especially in some of his three-point attempts, didn't look as organic as they typically do. But still, 24 points, five rebounds, two assists, two steals, one block. He did his job. He did enough. And he probably didn't get enough touches late in this game. And I think the Nets need to do a better job of generating mismatches for him. You know, as I mentioned, McDaniels did a nice job on him. Find him some opportunities against lesser defenders instead of going against the other team's best perimeter defender. I think that's, you know on the coaching staff, on his teammates, and on him as well to find those opportunities and understand the personnel out there. Moving over to Cam Johnson, finished with 14 points, 5 of 9 from the field, 2 of 3 from 3, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, 1 steal, 1 block. This felt like a game where you wanted more opportunities for Cam Johnson. You wanted to see him go to work a little bit more, give him some more touches, especially when the defense is kind of sagging off and focusing a little bit more on Spencer and Mikel. You know, he showed some really good things. There was a possession this game where he took the ball coast to coast, you know, a couple behind the back dribbles, ended up kind of working McDaniels and pulling up from the elbow. That was some good stuff from Cam Johnson. And it's those continued moments or those different moments you see throughout games you're like you know there is more there's it's just like a lot of his game right now just needs that next level of polish and he could really take a step forward in being just a really good all-around player like i've mentioned on previous podcasts there's another a shot in this game where he just 
kind of bumped into Gobert, was able to float back and almost, you know, pull up from like three feet away from the rim. And it was effective and it went down. I want to see, you know, more of those opportunities. And I think there's times where the Nets can lean into him a little bit more, especially when, you know, Spencer's looking tired. Mikel doesn't have a shot, whatever it is, you know, let Cam Johnson go to work, run a little offense through him and see what he can do out there. But moving off Cam over to Dorian Finney-Smith, continued to impress offensively, you know, Based off of what he's done in Brooklyn, he's starting to get back to his career numbers. 14 points, 5 of 10 from the field, 4 of 6 from 3, 10 rebounds, 3 assists. Did have one turnover and 5 fouls. Uh, the Nets asked him to defend Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert. A lot of different bodies in this game, a lot of physicality. Did get a little banged up on his dunk attempt in that second half. But you know, Dorian contributed offensively. And if he can do that, that's going to be a huge impact. And on most nights, he's, he's not going to be in a defensive mismatch the way he was tonight you know it's a big task to ask him to defend a Gobert or a cat so credit him for grinding out there over to Royce oh, over to Nicholas Claxton six points two of six from the field two of two from the free throw line nine rebounds four offensive three assists one steal four blocks one turnover uh, Clax was still able to have a positive impact defensively and on the boards of this game you know offensively not as many opportunities some of that just being you know the Timberwolves switching a ton and Spencer going ISO in those situations and having the opportunity to cook uh, Rudy Gobert or Carl Anthony Towns rather than, you know, driving to the rim against drop and throwing the oop up for Clack. So Clack's missed a couple shots he typically makes in this one, but overall, you know, was a solid game. You know, you like to get a little bit more offensively out of him, but given the personnel on the other side, you kind of understand why you didn't. Royce O'Neal had an awesome first half. Uh, eight points in this one overall, three of 10 from the field, two of eight from three, six rebounds, three assists, two steals, one block, two turnovers. Uh, Royce had probably more ball handling than he typically does have, but overall, you know, his first half, he had this beautiful transition play where he dribbled like he was Kyrie Irving and ended up finishing, you know, a layup in transition, hit some big threes. Second half, not quite able to have that type of contribution. And then also Nets put him in some tough spots defensively where he really didn't necessarily and probably wasn't put in a spot where he could succeed. So those are really the six guys that played. Uh, we mentioned Joe wasn't great defensively. Offense was able to knock down one three. Seth wasn't good. Dayron struggled. Cam struggled. And just not enough, you know. And especially when you're counting on your starters who played, I think, good enough. It was just really a lot of that late game execution, some bad coaching decisions, and probably a couple questionable calls. But at the end of the day, you know, the Nets just couldn't get it done, and hopefully they can find a way to get it done over the course of the last three games of the season and lock up that sixth spot. But as always, big thanks to everybody listening. Check the buzz on all streaming platforms.